Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So today we're going to focus on the gospel reading that we just heard read. And I love the Gospels. I love the stories in the Gospels. And I love stories like this one in the Gospel where we see Jesus bringing the reign and rule of God's kingdom and how that, cl- that clashes with, with our, our own kingdoms. So in one of my uh, favorite comedies, uh, it's an older one, right? So there's this, this ridiculous king, kind of a self-styled king. And he's riding through the forest and he comes across a bridge and uh, at this bridge he comes across a knight dressed in black armor and he's having a duel and he kills another knight right and so he just stands there with a sword like this blocking the bridge and the king he wants to cross the bridge and so he tries to cross but the knight dressed in the in black the black knight won't let him so they have a duel right and so throughout the course of the duel the black knight loses all of his limbs but it's played for comedic effect all right so But each time he loses a limb, he refuses to acknowledge the fact that he's down a limb. So while they're fighting, he gets his arm cut off. And the king's like, yeah, I've won. I'm going to cross the bridge. And he attacks him with the other arm. And he's like, I'm going to get the other one. And so he does. And so he's like, yeah, I've won. So he kneels to pray to thank God for the victory. And he gets kicked in the face. And so he gets the other leg. And then so the, the knight's still like trying to bump him with his body. So he cuts off the other leg. And so by the time the fight is over, the king crosses the bridge and the black knight is yelling at him to come back because he's going to bite his legs off, right? The king in the fight grows more and more agitated because he keeps pointing out that the black knight has been mortally wounded several times and he, the black knight refuses to see it. He's, he's bound to his false perception of the duel. And he's bound to his inability to, inability to see what he's lost. And in this story, what we see here, we see it looks like that the woman is bound, and she is. But we're going to see she's not the only one who's bound, but she's the only one who's set free when she encounters Christ. So in this story in the synagogue, there's, there's different variations of stories like this one, but this account only appears in St. Luke's Gospel. And so... We should pay close attention. So Jesus, as we heard, is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day. And we see elsewhere in Scripture that Jesus regularly attended worship at synagogues, teaching and doing the miraculous in those synagogues. Scripture tells us a couple of things. That there is a woman who is present there, and it says she has a disabling spirit, and she was bent over for 18 years. Right? So 18 years. We don't know how old she is in the text. We just know for a large portion of her life she has been troubled by this disabling spirit, or some translations call it a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of sickness. Right? So it's a supernatural source of her disability. It's not something that's naturally that's naturally happened. There's no mention as to the cause. So some people like to try to speculate, but we probably shouldn't. Some people back in those days would say, well, you must have sinned or somebody in your family had sinned for something like this to happen, but we don't get 
any information like that, but the information we do get is that she is being oppressed, and the source is supernatural. And Jesus sees her, and he calls her, and he lays his hands on her, and he heals her. The spirit that's binding her to this affliction is removed, and for the first time in 18 years, she can stand upright. And we see that she immediately glorifies God for what has happened. Notice, though, the reaction from the leader of the synagogue. He responds not with glorifying God, too, but by berating those gathered. He doesn't address Jesus or the woman. He addresses the gathered people, the ultimate in passive-aggressive behavior, which is something I really, really, really can't stand. I, I cannot stand passive-aggressive behavior. If you have something to say, <laughs> just say it. Oh, you're going to do it like that? Mm, okay. Yes, I'm going to do it like that. If you have a comment to make, make the comment. Does not talk to Jesus or the woman. It says in verse 14, he tells the people. He says, don't come here on the Sabbath to get healed. Don't come on the day of the Lord for healing. There are six other days in the week that the synagogue is here. If you want to be healed, then come on one of those other days and you can be healed then. Now, this is really dumb. This is really dumb for obvious reasons. For starters, Jesus teaches and heals like no one else. And Jesus He's probably not there at the synagogue saying, okay, I'm going to be here at the synagogue right here in Galilee on the corner, I don't know, of Pine and Donkey or whatever, right? And we're going to be here and I'm going to have a six-month revival meeting. So bring people who need to be healed. I'm going to be here for six months or however long the Spirit leads, <laughs> right? No, Jesus is traveling regularly, right? He's bringing God's rule, God's reign, God's kingdom. So he's probably not going to be there for a long time. And it's probably safe to assume, since the Gospels tell us over and over and over again, that Jesus has an authority that nobody else has, that he heals the sick, that he teaches like no one else can. So it's, it's probably safe to assume that there's not a lot of healing going on in that synagogue in the first place. So Jesus, I think, and this is probably my own lens, when... Uh, you know, confronted by that passive aggressivism. He, he gets a little heated, you know, as he should. Denouncing the leaders as hypocrites by calling out the fact that bound animals can be loosed on the Sabbath in order to water them. And if somebody can unbind an animal to get it something to drink, then how much more is it right that that woman be loosed from what has bound her? Jesus even calls her a daughter of Abraham. He's signifying she is part of the covenant people of God and as such is a worthy recipient of that healing. And not only that, but it's more than appropriate to be healed on the Sabbath, the day of rest, the day of worship that God gave them. And the story ends with the leaders having egg on their face, right? And all of the people rejoicing. In the Isaiah reading, particularly verse 13 and 14, we heard it said, If you honor the day of the Lord and keep it holy, honor it and seek not pleasure and not talk idly, the Lord will feed you the heritage of Jacob. We heard Jesus call her a daughter of Abraham. And who is Jacob? Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. He is the son of Isaac. And as such, 
Jacob was the recipient of the promises made to Abraham and to Isaac. And if this woman is a daughter of Abraham, then she too is a recipient of being blessed by being part of the covenant people of God. In the psalm that we heard earlier as we opened the service, what is one of the things that the psalm gives thanks to God for? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives us our sins? Who satisfies us with good things so our youth is renewed like the eagles? And who heals our diseases, who redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with steadfast love. This woman is a recipient, a rightful recipient of God's blessing. And in the story, she's not doing the things that Isaiah says not to do, right? Isaiah says, don't, don't speak idly. He says, honor the day of the Lord. Don't seek your own pleasure. She's doing these things. But notice that the leaders of the synagogue, while trying to look like they're doing what the law asks, they're actually doing what Isaiah said not to do. By their response to what God has done in their midst, they're talking idly, and they're not honoring the day of the Lord by becoming angry at the work of the Lord right in their midst. And we see this woman who's been bound by this disabling spirit, the spirit of infirmity. She is bent over and unable to move, but she is loosed from that and is able once more to stand upright and move and give God glory. It's visible. On the other hand, the leaders of the synagogue, they look like there's nothing wrong with them on the outside. They look okay on the outside. But as Jesus likes to point out in the Gospels, it's the inside. So while the woman is bound on the outside and is loosed, the leaders of the synagogue are bound to the same spirits of evil on the inside. Jesus comes, and she is healed. But the same encounter that brings healing to the woman who's bound has the opposite effect on those who are also bound on the inside. And they miss out because they resist the work of God on that transforming power available to them through Jesus Christ. An ancient commenter on this, St. Theophylact, said, But Satan, who has bound the woman in the first place, was vexed at her deliverance because he desired her continual affliction. And so he bound the ruler of the synagogue with spite. And through the mouth of this man, Satan reviled the miracle. This is how he always attacks the good. Through spite. And through reviling. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. The enemies of our soul, Scripture tells us, Satan, the devil, desires, like St. Theophilax remarked, our continual affliction. We don't like to talk about Satan, the devil. We don't like to do that because it sounds like a relic from a bygone era. There are some Christian groups that are even removing the reference to, to the devil, to Satan, in their baptismal formularies. But it's like C.S. Lewis said, right? There's two errors, right, when we talk about Satan. The first error is to take an unhealthy interest 
in Satan and the devil and the forces of evil. <laughs> the other extreme is to pretend like they don't exist. So we have to be aware that we have an enemy that tries to afflict us, that is looking for ways to afflict us. Now, I'm not saying that Satan is the cause behind every single difficulty or every single affliction that we face in this life. But to say that Satan isn't the cause of any of them is also incorrect. And St. Peter reminds us, right, your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour. Our enemy seeks our downfall. We need to remember that. The second thing we need to remember is that our enemy, Satan, uses other people to attack. In the story, when the woman was healed, the very people who should have rejoiced with her, right, they reviled the miracle. They reviled it. When the work of God was made manifest, the evil one attempted to stifle it and draw attention away from it, necessitating the harsh response from Jesus. However, not interaction with difficult people is an attack on you, okay? We have to remember that. That's, that. That would be a mistake. There are some Christians who believe that every negative thing that happens, that every bad thing that happens is an attack against them from the evil one. And it's not always like that. We live in a world that has been given over to death and to sin, right? So we will experience those effects. So we shouldn't assume that every time we have a personal difficulty with another person, that that is diabolically motivated. A general sense of negativity from a person is not necessarily an attack on you from the evil one. But sometimes attacks on us can be diabolically motivated. And sometimes we can even be unaware of the evil one's work through people. And so like St. Theophilac reminds us, the devil works through spite and reviling talk. And I think, brothers and sisters, it's a safe bet to say that when we encounter Christ, those who revile and those who are spiteful, I don't think it's an incorrect assumption to say those may be the people that the evil one is working through. We also here see a beautiful picture of the church and the purpose of the church. I like to quote St. John Chrysostom all the time because he talks about the church being a hospital for sinners. The church is a hospital, right? The hospital is where we find treatment and healing. The church is where we come to hear the word of God. The church is where we come to feed on Christ. The church is where we come to have our passions rightly aligned. The healing and transforming power of Jesus Christ is always here. And brothers and sisters, you might not feel it. You might not even be aware of it. You might not have a sense of it. But even now, as we are here gathering, worshiping Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in spirit and in truth, God is here. He is here right now, in this room, with us. He is moving in our hearts as we sing, as we confess our sin, as we receive his forgiveness, as we hear the preaching of the word of God. He is moving. God is moving in our hearts. The church is messy, and the church may seem counterintuitive, brothers and sisters, but the church is the body of Christ. 
And there's no salvation outside of the body of Christ. It's important then, brothers and sisters, to remember that when we witness the work of Christ in our midst, whether God graciously answers a prayer for healing or God provides for someone in need or God grants us an awareness of his presence, that we do not respond out of spite. And we must never revile the work that God is doing in our fellow brothers and sisters. And we should rejoice with one another in worship and with thankfulness when our brothers and sisters in Christ experience God's transformative love and healing. We need to become aware, brothers and sisters, of what binds us, right? Because there are things always trying to bind us. There are things that are always trying to latch on us. Because if those things can latch onto us, they can draw our attention away from the source of life. And that can take many different forms. And it, it, it can also be so banal in, in the things that, uh, that try to grab us, right? Like things that in and of themselves are fine, but taken to, <laughs> not taken to an extreme, but, but even things that are in and of themselves not necessarily sinful can lead us away from God, whether it be gaming, <laughs> right? Movies, TV, books, whatever. Those things in and of themselves aren't bad. But we must be careful, we must be aware, brothers and sisters, that the evil one is trying to bind us, to turn our attention away from Christ. And we need to be aware, brothers and sisters, that Christ is willing and able to always loose us from what binds us. Whatever difficulty we have, whatever difficulty we face, as his new creation, as his family, as, as those who have been brought into his family, those who have had their sins forgiven, those of us who have been justified freely by his grace. He will continually meet us where we are and he will continually grant us his healing and transforming grace. So and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd ask that you would consider helping to meet a major need that we have. Our building is in current need of some necessary repairs, so we've set up a GoFundMe, gofundme.com slash savezionstone. And I ask that you would please consider donating there, or if you'd like, you could also mail us something directly. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to contact me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com or you can find me on the church's Facebook page, Zion Stone United Church of Christ, as well as our website. This podcast is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you.